Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Rum Buncher Radio, episode 21. The tank is back on. The Pirates have been swept by the Kansas City Royals. They split with Chicago earlier in the week. Trey Yannity, Nick Caparoso, Marty Leap with you. Gentlemen, this season has been a little bit of a roller coaster ride for various reasons, but one thing has stayed consistent. The Pirates have not been winning a whole lot of games. They had troubles with Chicago earlier in the year. They were no hit. This time around, they were not no hit, but... They looked uh, pretty poor in the second effort there. A win, though, on Tuesday night. Let's get right into it. Big Joe coming out, looking great, only allowing three hits, five strikeouts. Rich Rod coming on and Kyle Crick doing their thing again. Uh, the Reynolds play was was unbelievable, hosing Madrigal at the plate. What are your guys' thoughts on game number one there and the victory over Chicago Tuesday? What I liked most in that game was definitely what we saw from Joe Musgrove. Um, that was the best he's looked all year by far, and it was against a very, very good lineup that he looked that way. So it was great to see him get out there, get back on the horse, you know, uh, put put forth a really strong start. And again, against a great lineup, against one of the best lineups in baseball with the Chicago White Sox. So it was definitely encouraging to see that. Hopefully that'll lead to another two or three strong starts to Musgrove down the stretch here and head into the offseason some momentum for him and – uh yeah, between that and just the terrific start that Key Brian Hayes continues to have in his career, I mean, even though the Pirates lost a whole lot of games this week, there are def- definitely some positives to pull out of it when you're looking at the, uh, the the long-term health of this organization. It was definitely good to see Musgrove uh, get back out there. And, you know, even that first start he had back out, he, he made it through three innings, and really he looked pretty solid. In the end of that first start back, you know, he ended up giving up a couple runs that – you know, were inherited runners after he left the game. So it was kind of nice to see him get out there and have a clean start, not give up anything like you said against, you know, a very good offense that he's going to be unfamiliar with as well. So, um, you know, the other thing you got to like is he only gave up one hard hit in that game. 
so not only was he striking out, you know, over one per inning, but he was getting a lot of weak contact. So definitely a positive, you know, from Joe Musgrove. And once again, like Chris Stratton, you know, came in late in that game and, you know, once continue to just be solid what he's been for the last couple of years. And, you know, I, I don't feel like he's getting enough praise for the job he's done in the bullpen because while he's, you know, he, he's not the arm that, you know, a lot of other relievers are, he's been quietly, you know, effective. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see what kind of role he carves out going forward if he ends up becoming, you know, a potential trade chip. But, you know, beyond that, like you said, the Cabrian Hayes thing, you know, he continues to just look different than a lot of the other players on the team. You know, he for for a young guy who's just making his big league debut, you know, he, he looks very comfortable and he continues to hit the ball hard. And, you know, when you're doing that and you're not striking out a lot, uh, you know, you're definitely going to find your way onto the field now, you know, as we've seen more recently. For some reason, every three days he can't play, but that's for later. One thing you said, Nick, real quick with Hayes, you said hey, he just looks different than everybody else on the field, and and I don't want to be like heaping these kinds of expectations or anything on him, but it reminds me so much of when Andrew McCutcheon was first called up, and he just looked different. You could just see he was head and shoulders above. Everyone You're else excited on to see roster. see him no yeah. matter what, whether yeah, like, he's in the field, on the bases, exactly, at the plate. That's what you, Hayes has you, done already. Defensively, in. running the bases, he's crushing the ball to plate. Like it, it's just he looks so much better. Even like you know, you throw in Brian Reynolds, you throw in Colin Moran is having a great season, you throw in Josh Bell. Even those guys, Hayes just looks so much better than everyone else on the Pirates roster right now. Like, it's just nice to finally – to me, for the first time since McCutcheon was here, it is so nice to have that guy who you know is the face of your franchise moving forward. He's your building block. He's the guy you're going to build around. He's the guy who is going to, you know, lead your team the next time you're making the postseason, that sort of thing. It's just so nice to finally have that player again. I was just about to say the same thing, Marty. Just the Andrew McCutcheon factor, just the confidence from pitch number one, inning number one. You never see him without a smile on his face. You never see him giving that max effort when he's down in counts, you know, when he's struggling even. This dude is just – he just brings more. It's its so exciting to watch. Um, you, you know, you got to hope. Like you said, you don't want to throw this expectation on him. But he I think he understands his position. I think he understands that he is the centerpiece moving forward. Great to see him come up and, and just have, uh, you know, such a stellar couple of weeks here. We're going to talk about some of the defense we saw in this Kansas City series. But before that, let's talk about Roberto Clemente Day. What an honor. What a great, um, you know, ceremony. They, they honored Roberto Clemente wearing the number 21. Any Puerto Rican-born player throughout Major League Baseball was allowed to wear the number 21 as well. Joey Cora, I think, was, um, you know, the most inspiring part of this whole thing, being a native of Puerto Rico, the first pirate to wear the number 21 since Roberto Clemente. An emotional video. I don't know if you guys saw pregame and everything else. Um, what what a cool day and, and what a what a great way to, to honor Roberto Clemente um, this year. Yeah, I mean, it really was. And I'm, 
I was happy to see how much coverage it got because, you know, this is something, especially pirate, us as pirate fans, you know, we, we really would like to see this become an annual thing. Um, you know, we talked last show just about everything he did for baseball, for Latin American players, international players in general. Um, but also just the, the stuff off the field that he did for the city of Pittsburgh and, you know, the world. So it, it was exciting to see. It was exciting to see a lot of other players requesting, you know, and trying to get the the clearance to wear 21 as well. Um, you know, I think that just speaks about, you know, what these professional baseball players and they understand, you know, what Roberto Clemente meant to baseball. Yeah. One thing with the, the Clemente day stuff that I moving forward, I'd really love to see, you know, I, I, I'm a believer of, that the number 21 should be retired around baseball. I think an argument can be made that Clemente is just as important to baseball in terms of uh, breaking race barriers and things of that nature as Jackie Robinson is. But one idea I saw some people float around that I really liked and I would love to see baseball do moving forward is you don't necessarily retire 21, but what you do is every year, whoever was – each team's Clemente Award recipient from the year before, that following season, they wear 21. I like that idea a lot, too. Yeah, it's like an honor to Clemente. You know, it, it's it's a, it's an honor for them to say, hey, you know what? I won this award. I get to wear this number now because I'm so involved in my and community. And I'm they, giving they just back know it's a that. big honor, too. Yeah, I, I, I really like that idea. And I'd love to see baseball move towards doing something like that moving forward. So I really do hope that how much of an emphasis was put on Clemente Day this year, you know, becomes the norm moving forward because it should. I mean, as I said, I think there's a strong argument to be made that Roberto Clemente is as important to breaking race barriers and things like that in baseball as Jackie Robinson was. Like I said, the big thing with him is, uh, you know, what he did for the international player. Like, Jackie Robinson, like you said, for, you know, he changed obviously not only baseball, but sports in the world. And, but really before, after that, you know, that just opened up the doors for, you know, potential people of different race in America to get an opportunity. What Roberto Clemente did showed that was that there could be really good talent found elsewhere than the United States. And that, that's why I get what you're saying, Marty, about, you know, the influence he really had on the game. And, yeah, I really like the idea of giving the award, um, you know, letting the award be, you know, the honor to wear number 21. And I just – I think you kind of seen across baseball, you know, last week, the people, people get what that means in the game of baseball. Just r- real quick to circle back to that with Clemente and opening the door for international players – and this is not all international players. This is just players, any any Latin-born players. Just from a quick Google search here, in 2017, so I'm sure this number has gone up, uh, 27.4% of Major League players were Lat- of Latin native. You know, they, they were born in a Latin American country. And without Clemente, you have to wonder how many of those guys would have gotten the opportunities that they have gotten. You know, and I just think because – you, know, you see where more than one-fourth of the players in Major League Baseball are of Latino they're, – they're Latino-born or come from a Latino background, whatever it might be. They can attest a lot of what they have accomplished to the doors Clemente opened. 
And, and I think that's where that argument can be made that he is as important as anybody in the history of Major League Baseball. Well, we talked about it a ton last go around, but, you know, how many guys throughout our, our entire lives have just, you know, been the best hitters in, in the game from these Latin American countries? You know, so many guys that have really made right look at the game you know, right Albert now Bullard, in the game right now, of course, as well. Yeah, um, I mean, you, you know, you just Ronald Acuna's and guys Acuna, like that, you know? so many guys, so many, Soto. Guys. And, you know, the list is, is really endless and. Yeah, and, and I like you throwing out Pujols there. You know, tonight he hit his 660th home yeah. run. So, um, you know, it just it really – I don't think you can explain the impact that Roberto Clemente made and just being the humanitarian he was too, not just coming here and, and breaking the barrier, but the way he did it and, and the kind of person he was. What a great day on Wednesday to, to have that honor and, um, you know, to to just finally make a, a, a bigger, a grander step at – at retiring 21 universally or, you know, having some deeper honor for Roberto Clemente every year. The Pirates didn't quite have the on-field success they were looking for in game two. They then had an off day on Thursday and hit the road for Kansas City. It's some positives to take away from this series. You know, we can kind of address this as a whole. One thing I think the, the biggest um, bright spot in the series this weekend was just the defense we saw from Cabrian Hayes. You know, we heard about it so much before he came up that this guy could come up and, you know, maybe be one of the best defensive third basemen in the game, already showing that the barehanded throw, the over-the-shoulder catch um, in game two, just showing it all off. What what was your guys' favorite part um, of this series against Kansas City? And I guess, you know, where were you when the next Cabrian Hayes moment happened in this one? Yeah, you got to go with the the over the grab and the foul, uh, over the shoulder grab and foul territory. I mean, that's a play you're not going to see a lot of third basemen even get close to that ball. You know, especially on the current roster. Nothing against Colin Moran; he's done a he's done a nice job at first base and his opportunities there. But you know, he struggles especially with those foul ball fly balls. So. But even with that, there's no way he's getting close to that. Cabron Hayes not only showing off the glove, but, you know, his overall athleticism, his speed getting to that ball. You know, it's once again one of those things like like we've been talking about. He just looks different. You know, every play he's bringing it. Yeah, um, I mean, admittedly, I didn't see a ton of Saturday or Sunday's games, which, you know, may, may have been for the best. Um yeah, Saturday night, my oldest son and I, we were watching his school's varsity football game on TV. And then Sunday afternoon, I was watching my beloved Minnesota Vikings embarrass themselves against the Packers. But, um, yeah, that, that over that over the shoulder catch, man, there, there are a few, very few third basemen in baseball who are going to make that play. It, it was incredible. It's like Nick said, we'd heard all along that Hayes could step up and maybe be the best defensive third baseman in baseball as soon as he got here. And he might be. I mean, no disrespect to Matt Chapman or Nolan Arenado, but, man, Hayes looks as good as anybody over there right now. And it's just – not to keep harping on this, but the Pirates sure seem to just have an absolute superstar in their hands already and keep Ryan Hayes. What do, you, what do you think the mindset is, you know, knowing that this player is on the team? You know, this guy's different. This guy's elite – why, why do we still see JT Riddle? What, what goes into the decision-making with some of these lineups when Hayes, you know, doesn't make it? 
Yeah, one of the few things I did have the honor of seeing between Saturday and Sunday's game was, you know, early on Sunday, I was flipping back and forth between the Pirates and the Vikings, and I flip over, and the first thing I see is JT Riddle just box a ball over third base, and I was about ready to throw my remote through the TV. So I, I don't get it. I really don't. I mean, is Riddle here next year? Probably not. If he is, it's as a utility bench guy. I don't understand – I mean, obviously, you're not going to play Hayes every single day. You're not going to play anybody every single day when they first get up to the majors. But, I mean, this late in the season, man, there's no reason for Hayes to get more than a day off once every, I don't know, 10 games or so maybe, if that. But, yeah, so to see Riddle two, three times a week is just infuriating. And I just – I don't know. I just hope it ends soon because it just makes no sense to me. Like, like if Riddle was playing in a position where you didn't have your – you know, future there, like to do a third base at Hayes, it'd be one thing. But when you have your future third baseman, the guy who's going to be the face of your franchise for the next five, six, seven years, if not longer, I don't get it. It makes no sense to me whatsoever. Yeah, it's the same thing, too. Like, it's not even like Riddle's producing. You know, I get it if you're trying to give exactly. Hayes a day off and you stick Eric Gonzalez over there at third base and whatever, then it's like, okay, but. Yeah, Riddle's not even producing. Like you said, he's not going to – if he's on this team next year, then there's something, you know, definitely severely wrong. You got to figure a guy like Phillip Evans and Anthony Alford, they're going to have spots on this roster for JT Real does. I, right now, it's it's not even like you said. Every every so many days, whatever, but it's it's been a pretty much a rotation. Hayes plays two games, Riddle's in. And I, you know, I really don't get it. Like you said, you know, I, the only thing I can think of is that they're trying to make sure Hayes doesn't get overexposed uh, too many times against the same team. But, uh, you know, that's part of the learning curve too, for, for a guy like him. And you're, he's going to have to do that eventually. So why not, like you said, with, you know, the last couple of weeks of the season here, he needs to be out there as much as possible and getting through those situations now. Five errors and 13 starts for JT Riddle. Very frustrating. Um, one in, in Sunday's ball game there in the first inning. I think it was ruled an infield single, but a play that needs to be made by JT Riddle. Some sloppy defense. You see the Josh Bell play down the line, um, you know, with the chance to gun the guy at home. It'll, it, it really blew up for Chad Cool. Um, nine earned runs in just 2.1. Walked six. Struck out five. Um you know, what, what were you guys takeaways from Chad Cool's effort on Sunday? He just, I mean, he didn't have it. Was this all on him or, you know, where do we move forward with Chad Cool after um, the blow up game there in Kansas City? Yeah, I, I'm continually wondering if he's having a little bit of an issue with his hand. You know, the control is still, yeah. uh, you know, suspect. And a lot of it right now might be Cool just trying to get his, his work in after missing, you know, so much time. And, but, and, and on the flips, you know, in the same breath, I should say that the Pirates just need him out there to eat up innings and, you know, get through the last couple of weeks here. So it might be at this point more about him just getting out there and throwing pitches. You know, unfortunately, they haven't been very effective right now, but um, I, I think he's OK. I just I think it's going to be a matter of, you know, the, this finger issue and what they decide to do with uh, him going forward. Yeah, I wonder that too. This health. I mean, early from from early on in the game on Sunday, he just just looked off. You know, look on his face. He kind of kept going to his hand a little bit. Uh, it just seemed like something was off there. So I do wonder if he is battling something there. And you know, like you said, Nick, they're going to try and get his work, and he missed so much time. And like a game like today, you know, you play that doubleheader tomorrow. 
you know, when you have a doubleheader yeah. on Monday, you want your starter on Sunday to go a lot more than two innings, especially when, you know, your starters got pretty roughed up Friday and Saturday night as well. So I do wonder if they did not have that doubleheader coming up on Monday, if Cole maybe gets pulled a little bit sooner than he does anyhow. But, I mean, now you have – you're going into Monday afternoon where you're going to play two games. You're going to have at least two bullpen arms unavailable, and one of your two starting pitchers is going to be a guy that hasn't pitched in over a month. So you know how much length he's going to be able to give you. So the, I, I don't doubt they were trying to get as much out of Cole as they could on Sunday, and he, you know, really kind of took one for the team. But, yeah, I, I also wouldn't be surprised if we find out he's not quite 100% right now. Just with how well he pitched early in the season compared to how he's pitched his last two outings, it just it's too much of a flip of the switch for me to not think there's something wrong. It's been night and day. Exactly. Yeah, night it's not like – yeah, it's not like those first three, four, five starts or whatever it was. He was like teetering, you know, getting out of bases, loaded jams, stranded runners, all this where you could kind of see it coming because it was. I mean, he was battling the home run ball a little bit, but his control was great. He was striking a bunch of guys out. He wasn't giving up very many hits. And the last two outings, he's just he's, – he's got no idea where his pitches are going, it seems, and the ones that do go for strikes are getting crushed. So I really do think that he might be working his way through something right now. And, hey, you know what? If he is – just get him to the end of the season, let him rest up in the off season and get ready for probably playing a pretty big role in this rotation in 2021. And, you know, it's, uh, there's 15 games left. This team is, is they know the position they're in, you know, and especially on Sunday with the lineup they put out there. I don't think it was ever, there was no reason to, to pull him in the first inning in that game. Um, He does get absolutely drilled. The pirates leave Kansas city now two and 15, against the AL Central, um, but they have regained 30th place. So the battle for Kumar is is in Pittsburgh's hands as of now. They will head to Cincinnati, like you guys mentioned a second ago, for a doubleheader on Monday. The return of Mitch the Kid. We've been waiting for this for a little bit now. I'm super interested to see. We, we don't know yet if he will be um, pitching in game one or two as we record here on Sunday night. Do we see a limit on Mitch Keller tomorrow? We, we've heard some speculation, or, or do they just let him go? Yeah, I'll be curious to see. Um, on one hand, I wouldn't be surprised if they don't let him go further than a certain point, you know, 50 pitches, 60 pitches, whatever it might be. On the other hand, you know, depending on how much work he's been able to get in and simulated games and whatnot in Altoona and how stretched out he is, Maybe they let him go. I, I personally am of the belief if they were going to have him on a very strict pitch limit of less than probably 60, 65 pitches, I highly doubt we'd see him pitching in a doubleheader. You know, we'd see him going a day where the bullpen wouldn't be needed as much. But we'll find out. Um, I mean, those first two starts with Keller that he made for going to the injury list, he didn't pitch great. But to his credit, he really battled and did not let things unravel on him and get away from him the way they could have. And you have to wonder, too, that some of the struggles he had in the starts, how much of them were because of the injury. So uh, my biggest thing I'll be watching with Keller on Monday, I want to see the velocity up. I'd like to see swing and misses up. His first two starts, he was not generating very many swings and misses, which is always alarming for any starting pitcher, especially a guy like Keller who's going to lean so heavily on the strikeout. So, so my biggest thing with Mitch on Monday, I want to see, I want to see the velocity up on the pitches. I want to see some swings and misses. If we see those, regardless of the result, I'll be pretty happy. Marty, you're spot on. Um, the like you said, the results at this point, not so much worried about as I am him just getting out there and getting some work in. 
Uh, the velocity, like you said, last year we were seeing him up at 96, 97. We didn't see that at all early this year. You know, hopefully that was because of whatever he was dealing with and he's gotten past it. Uh, the strikeout numbers, you know, were not where we would expect them. You know, he threw seven and two-thirds innings. He only had three strikeouts, four walks. Not exactly, like you said, as effective as we want to see. But he also battled and got through some tough situations, which is, you know, good for his development as well. So hopefully uh, we see a little bit of a stronger Mitch Keller here down the down the stretch, like you said, in whatever capacity that may be. Uh, then, of course, we also have Cody Ponce going uh, – tomorrow in the other game of the doubleheader. So, you know, once again, it's good to see some of the young uh, pitching prospects getting opportunities here down the stretch. It's really a lot of fun. Ponce is one that, you know, we we talked about it a good bit um, after that first Chicago series, the White Sox, that is. Um, But, you know, I'm I'm really interested to see kind of how he progresses here as a starter um, down the stretch. And with, with Keller, too, I think, you know, the swing and miss stuff needs to come, but just just to see him have a game where he trusts in that fastball and has that velocity where we expect it to be, I think would be such a big step because really at any point these last two years, I don't think we've seen one game where he's really been in control of the fastball completely, hopefully being healthy, um, you know, having getting some work in these last couple months off the field has gotten him there. Um, but, but outside of that, what are you guys excited for, for this series of the Reds come in 14 and eight against the central, the pirates at 12 and 15, these two teams are in fourth and fifth place here. You know, what What, what do you guys expect offensively and, um, you know, as a whole throughout this series against the Reds? I'll be um, interested to see if we get any fireworks, you know, this series. The Reds and the Pirates, you know, we have that history of bench clearings over the last, you know, part of the decade or so. And, you know, we, we haven't really seen that intensity yet this year. So it will be interesting to see, you know, if we can get through another series without any, uh, you know, real fireworks uh, not during the game as much as during the game. Yeah, well, one thing I'll, I'll be watching this series, I think what I'll really be watching these next probably two weeks in general, is I just want to see some of these guys who you know are going to be key pieces next year I just want to say they finish. Can Colin Moran continue to have what looks like a breakout season? Can he finish strong? Josh Bell showed a lot of signs over the weekend that maybe he's finally breaking out of his his slump. Can he finish strong? Can can Brian Reynolds put something together here down the stretch to try and salvage this season? You know, can Eric Gonzalez continue to hit the ball? What's Keller going to do? Some of these bullpen arms, Stratton, Hartley, Turley, Rodriguez – Guys who have really had quietly had really strong seasons, can they finish strong? I just one thing that I said before the season started that I really wanted to see more than anything else coming out of September is just some hope, some optimism going into next year. And I think if you can see these guys who you know are going to be key pieces next season, especially the guys who have had good seasons so far, finish with a strong two weeks here. You know, you you can start to feel a little bit of optimism then going into the off season if you can comfortably say you have this nice little core here of guys if they finish the year strong. That's really what this is about. Each and every one of these games, just seeing what you got, um, getting ready for next season, really, you know, in a way, trying to get that number one pick um, and, and just just finishing strong, finishing on a high note. The Pirates will take on the Reds for four here this week. They will uh, then welcome in the Cardinals to Pittsburgh, the Cubs, and then will travel to Cleveland to finish out the year. Jameson Tyone has been 
getting a lot of work in recently. We've seen the videos of live VP looking a lot more confident, acting a lot more confident. How big is it going to be to get him back next year? What, what kind of Jamison Tyone, um, you know, are we going to see when that does happen to, to complement this staff as he continues to get healthy? Yeah, it'll be, it'll be great to have him back next year. I think in my opinion, at least the biggest weakest link with this team this season has been the starting rotation. The bullpen has been a lot better than anyone's going to give a credit for. I mean, the overall bullpen numbers have just absolutely drugged to hell by three or four guys who aren't even in this bullpen anymore. The, the offense has had its struggles, but push come to shove. The offense has really started to kind of get things going here. But there have been so many games, and I think this past weekend is an example of this. There have been so many games where the starting pitcher hasn't even given the Pirates a chance. I mean, look at this past weekend. Brawl, I realize, only gave up three or four runs, whatever it was. Playing with four innings. Trevor Williams gets tagged for six runs. Chad Cole gives up nine and two and a third. There's just been too many starts like that this year where your starter doesn't even give you an opportunity to win the game. And it would just be nice to get JMO back get that top of the rotation anchor arm that this team has missed so much this year back. It just, it'll be nice. I, I don't think the pirates, at least in my opinion, the pirates don't have a guy. I can say this about right now, but I can say this about Jameson Tyone. He is a guy who, when he goes out there every fifth day, I feel like the pirates, not, not even that they just have a chance to win. They have the advantage in the starting pitching matchup. You know, like, like I think Tyone is that kind of guy where he is the guy who, when he starts, you expect to win. And they don't have that right now. You know, and it would just be nice to have that back. The question is, is, is if he can get back to that form. I mean, the coming off the second Tommy John surgery, you know, I think coming off of one nowadays has become a thing that's been a little more, you know, less stressful. Um, you know, not everyone comes back. We saw a guy like Nick Kingham, uh, didn't work out for him per se, but you know, when, when you, you see the second one, you really got to worry if, you know, he'll ever get back to that form. Cause it, it was really disappointing. He was really looking like he was turned the corner there at the end of 2018. And obviously coming back in 2019, there was a lot of expectations and you could just see from, from his first uh, you know, started on last year that there wasn't something, you know, there was something off with them. So, you know, and to his credit, he's working hard and the bullpen videos that we're seeing of him, he looks, he looks good and the curveball looks sharp and the velocity looks like it's there, but you know, next year is a long way off. So let's just hope that he can continue to progress healthy and, you know, get back into this rotation next year. And I think if there's one guy that the fan base really wants to see just come back and be successful as Jameson Tyon, everything that's happened. I mean, having Tommy John in the minors, having the testicular cancer, now, you know, this injury as well. It's been such a, a tragic story so far for Jameson, for such a talented guy, and, and really the, the true ace the Pirates have needed over these last couple seasons. Yeah, and like you said, Nick, the biggest thing is with Tyon is just going to see what is he when he comes back to. I mean, I'm confident he'll be all right. You know, if you go back and look at that that stretch he had from the start of 2018 up until when he, he made his last start in 2019, you know, this is a 39-start stretch. He had a 335 ERA. You know, he was – 2018, he led the National League in complete games. He went over 200 innings. Like, he was just an absolute horse for the Pirates. 
And, you know, if they can get that back or even anything close to that, man, it'll be great. And like you touched on, Trey, he's a guy just so easy to root for. The Tommy John surgeries, that hernia surgery, testicular cancer. Like, I think there's a strong argument that can be made that Jameson Tayo might be the unluckiest human being on the face of this planet. Like, seriously, it's one thing after another with the poor guy. He's as talented as any pitcher in baseball and just – it's just one fluke thing after another. So just hopefully he can come back. He can be healthy. He can put together a nice run for the pirates next year and just anchor that rotation and give them what they really need. I think there's a silver lining. I I think it's, it's lining up to be a great comeback story. Hopefully that is the case. And the pirates are, you know, beginning to contend next year with a guy like Jameson Tyone at the head of the staff. But this year it's not looking like the pirates will, um, you know, be in any kind of position to win, but the Chicago Cubs, now sit atop the NL Central, the Atlanta Braves atop the East, the Dodgers in the West, and the AL. We got Tampa. Chicago has looked like one of the best teams in baseball. Oakland, San Diego as well. Um, but let's get a let's get a, a, a league wide refresh here. Talk about kind of who we who we like, who we expect to continue to dominate down the stretch. You're only a quarter of the season left to go. Where do you guys picks for the divisional winners um, and maybe the wild cards as well? Who do you see making the playoffs? as we get close in this 2020 season. In terms of the National League, you got the National League East. You got, like, what the Braves are doing there. You know, they're a team that are going to strike out a lot, but they still have, you know, a quality lineup pretty much the whole way, you know, starting from one down to the bottom. Uh, They got some of the most dynamic young players in baseball, and they got, you know, Ian Anderson, one of their top pitching prospects. He's come up and he's been very good for them. So the Braves are definitely in a good spot, especially with a division that kind of, you know, has looked kind of mediocre this year, especially when you consider the Marlins right now sitting in second place. They're a team that, you know, many expected to finish, you know, well in the basement in that division. Um, moving on to the Central, you know, the Cubs are really running away with it. Uh, it's something that I didn't expect and I don't think any of us necessarily expected. We thought the Cardinals um, were going to show up a little more this year than they have. Uh, but obviously the Cubs with the good, once again, good lineup, their pitching staff has looked a lot better this year than expected. Dodgers, uh, Padres, that's going to be the most exciting, um, you know, finish to watch there. You, you're talking the Dodgers, the classic, uh, you know, big market team that's been winning that NL West for years now against the young up and coming Padres who won the trade deadline. Um, Once again, like the Braves have some of the most exciting young players in baseball reinforcements coming for them. The nice thing about the, for the Padres is that, you know, they're definitely going to get into playoffs this year and they have so much young talent yet to come. So the Padres are going to be exciting team. You figure they'll end up in the wild card. Um, you know, flipping over to the American League. Well, I shouldn't say that. I, I think the Dodgers will still win the NL West, but, you know, I should have said that. Flipping over to the American League, I think the Rays will still come out of the East. The Yankees, you know, the injury bug has caught up to them a little bit, you know, but they're only four games back, so I wouldn't count them out just yet. The The AL Central's a tight race, White Sox, Twins, Indians, um, I'd like to see the White Sox come out on top there. You know, similar thing to the Padres here. They're, they've been building it for a couple of years, and, you know, you're starting to see that pay off for them. Um, 
going out west, you know, the A's look like they're well ahead there. They don't look like they're going to slow down. So once again, they have a pretty weak division when you're talking about the Mariners, Angels, and Rangers. So I don't see them uh, getting caught by the Astros anytime soon. Yeah, with, with the American League, it's it's pretty set in stone who the eight playoff teams are going to be. I mean, right now Cleveland has the last wild card spot. They have a six game lead on the Mariners. The Mariners aren't going to catch them. You know, those top eight teams are going to be in. It's just a matter of who does what. Um, like you said, Nick, the Rays and the A's look like safe bets in their divisions. The AL Central is going to be a lot of fun down the stretch between the White Sox and the Twins. Um, over in the National League, I the Braves and the Cubs are going to win their divisions. It's no one's going to catch them. The Dodgers and the Padres will be a lot of fun to watch down the stretch here. But I think in the National League, you get down to that last wild card spot, you know, that's where it could get a little interesting. You have the Giants, who I don't think anybody expected to be there this year, currently holding that. The Rockies are two games behind them, so you can't totally count them out. The Brewers are only three back. So we could see a little bit more of a race there down the stretch than we will in the American League. But, yeah, I definitely think, you know, in the National League, we're going to see the Dodgers – Either, either the Dodgers or the Padres or the Braves and Cubs winning the divisions. In the American League, it's going to be Tampa and Oakland and either the White Sox or the Twins. But it'll just it'll be really interesting, I think, this year too when you get to the playoffs with this new format with the eight teams. I mean, do we see a San Francisco or a Philadelphia who just barely sneaks in there? Do they make a run? You know, who knows? It'll just it, – it'll be, it'll be fun to watch. It's going to be exciting. Um, anyway, you draw it with 16 teams. And I'm – I guess I'm not necessarily in favor of this rule. I've always loved how difficult it is to make the playoffs in baseball, but I think with such a wacky year, you know, with so much and only in 60 games, why not? Let's roll with 16. It's going to be crazy to see teams like the New York Yankees with so much star power, so deep that are, you know, they're going to have to play in in a wild card format. um, And, you know, in one way or another, if they don't catch teams like Tampa, um, but like you said, Marty, really, there could be teams like the Giants or, or Philadelphia or even maybe, you know, a Milwaukee that slips in last minute that could make a run. We saw it last year. The Washington Nationals, they, they had to fight for their lives in the wild card game. Who's one team out of all 30 that you guys maybe pick as the, as the sleeper team to make a run this year in the playoffs? I think the Cleveland Indians, um, well, you know, they might not necessarily be picked as a sleeper team. Um, just because they've been pretty good for the last few years. A lot of people thought this was going to be kind of the Indians' year to start to blow it up. They thought at the deadline you would potentially see you know, Francisco Lindor traded. Of course, you saw Mike Clevenger traded, but that had some different circumstances around it. The, the thing about the Indians is that they their pitching is just unbelievable. So if they can get into the, the playoffs with that, with that pitching staff, anything can happen for them. And they and they've been there for the last few years too, so they kind of, you know, that is one of those things that they have over the White Sox and a bit of the Twins as well, um, which helps. I think another exciting team to watch. I mentioned them earlier coming out of the National League is the Miami Marlins. Uh, I like I said, no one was really expecting them to do much this year, let alone be in the race for for a playoff spot and. Once again, this they're they're six in their last. They've won six out of their last ten. You know they're playing good baseball. They've been kind of playing solid baseball all year. They go out, they make the trade to bring in a guy like Starling Marte. Um, you know, so they they look like kind of maybe a team from the National League that if if they get in, um, you know, at least a, 
like to cheer for him a little bit, see Marte do well in the playoffs and, you know, just kind of give a hope for, you know, what the Pirates are trying to do here that, you know, the Marlins have been doing for the last few years. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's, um, you know, that's just such a fun team because of the, the, the stretch that they've gone now having for a while, so many guys that were capable of winning and they couldn't pull it off. This has been such a weird year for them and so many narratives, so many different storylines. That'd be such a fun team to see make a run. And I think there's a lot of really likable teams this year. You know, you got the Acunas in Atlanta, San Diego with the Tatis and, you know, all the grand slam drama and everything else. There's really some teams that are going to have a lot of fun storylines around them this year as we head into the playoffs. Um, and just such a such a wacky year. You know, like, I don't know, what are you most excited about, um, I guess, with, with the new rule changes this playoffs? I feel like it's going to change just about everything. Uh, but, you know, just from the format down, what gets you the most excited? I yeah, think like I said, you, you, is probably what I would say. you're expanding the playoffs here, you're giving – more teams an opportunity, a team like the Marlins who really took advantage of, you know, this weird year and the expanded playoff format. Uh, I'll be interested to see if, you know, people catch on to the 16 team format or not, because it's one of those things that if it seems like it works and it gets popular, you know, I don't know if they'll go 16 teams per se, but you know, this is one of those things I think could lead to a, a playoff expansion in the next CBA. Certainly. And, you know, I think a lot of people have been calling for it. And Major League Baseball, we've seen so many strides towards just modernizing the game. And I think this is one of those things that gets people excited because it makes it a little bit more dramatic. You know, it makes it a little bit more exciting. Um, you know, I, I feel like there is that that very traditional baseball fan that's still, I would say I might, you know, classify myself in this group that, that wants 10 and isn't as open to this. But I think if this trial run goes successful, we could we could definitely see an, a playoff expansion of the next CBA. And, um, you know, I think this could make the playoffs a whole lot of fun, depending on on how things go. Um, even with 16 teams, the Pirates will not be in the playoffs this year. But we have a lot of baseball to go still. A couple of weeks of, of, you know, getting to see Cabrian Hayes, getting to see this lineup continue. Mitch Keller coming back now. Exciting stuff to talk about. We're going to join you later in the week to recap um, this upcoming series and, and preview the rest of the season as well. The Cincinnati Reds and the Pittsburgh Pirates. So Nick, you mentioned it earlier. Still no fighting this year. It's been it's been a little bit surprising. We might see some sparks fly this week. Um, doubleheader tomorrow will get us started. But until next time, uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates have been swept by the Kansas City Royals and find themselves back in 30th in Major League Baseball. For Marty Leap and Nick Caparoso, my name is Trey Yannity. Brumbunter Radio is making the switch. We are Getting away from Spreaker.com, you can now find us on Omni.com. Um, you can find us on Fansided.com as well, Rumbunter.com, on our social media at Twitter and on Apple Music as well. Until next time, let's go Bucks.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.